Well, Sergey, welcome back to the Hoss Talks Foss podcast, your second trip in. So <laughs> I know that you must, you know, either really be a glutton for punishment and love, you know, the pain of being on this show, or I must be doing a- at least an okay job to get you to come <laughs> back on. Right. I don't know which yeah. one it is. Hopefully it's uh, one that is is better for me, which is the glutton for punishment. I know that, you know, this is just an awful experience for everyone. Uh, so I, I, I hope that uh, this is a little less awful than than before. But, hey, <laughs> we're here. Let's talk. No, it's actually the other way around because I really thought that I did awful on the previous show. So <laughs> oh, 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 this now. is like your redo. You're, you're, you're expecting yeah, to yeah, redo. Yeah. Oh, oh, no, it was great. A lot of good feedback there. So a lot of good feedback. But Sergey, you know, we're, we're here to talk again about Kubernetes and the operators and, you know, the progress that we're making here at Percona. I know that we're working on a new launch uh, for our MongoDB operator, which includes sharding and the ability to shard uh, your your systems, which is uh, really interesting and cool. And it's and it's a long asked for feature. Yeah. Um, so I was hoping maybe you could talk to us a little bit about um, you know what we're doing currently roadmap wise with not only Mongo, but if you want to touch on MySQL, and I understand we're also looking at Postgres. Those things would be really awesome. Sure, sure. So a couple of things, as you already mentioned, we are currently in our latest QA stage for our MongoDB operator, and it's going to be released somewhere next week, and it's going to have shiny support. Uh, The previous version that we released for MongoDB was quite interesting because we released it with shiny support, but it was only one shard, (laughs) and it was kind of a not a bad run for us, but we wanted to have a look and feel all the structures that we're adding into the operator to support Shiny. And now we're finally at the stage where we're ready to say, okay, our mobile operator supports Shiny at full. This is an interesting release. And as I said, it's going to be somewhere next week. Also, you yeah, and, and and so on the Mongo operator, you know, you mentioned the one shard support, and I talked with Akira uh, a couple weeks ago specifically on sharding and the difference between sharding and replica sets, and he mentioned the one shard, and he said it's a good way if you wanted to get the structure set up ahead of time, uh, and it makes you it, it kind of enable you know sharding later on. But from if you're already running a replica set in Kubernetes uh, and using our operator, how hard is it to switch to the sharded version? No, it's super easy. It's just you enable a couple of knobs in the YAML manifest of your operator or VOCR object, and you just deploy it. And the, yeah, this is a good point that Akira made because uh, when you run uh, just a replica set in your Kubernetes cluster, uh, you don't have a single entry point to connect to this replica set. So let's say you have five nodes in your replica set and your application needs to know to which uh, node it should connect, right? You don't have a single load balance in front of it, which is MongoDB aware, right? And when you add a single shard, you automatically add the service, which is called MongoS, and it is actually the balancer in MongoDB world, which moves your queries where they need to go to which replica set node you need, right? And you, need, you don't need to be aware how many nodes you have there and where is your data. It just does the thing for you. 
that is okay. one of the reasons why we added the single shard support as well. Okay. okay. Yeah. And, and with that, you know, in terms of like, you know, from a Mongo perspective, I know one of the difficult things for people entering sharding, they get to that one. Um, are, are we doing a lot of work on shard rebalancing or adding, you know, uh, shard keys later on? Is that something that we're looking at on a roadmap? We are looking at it in our map, definitely. But for now, we are not doing that. And one of the reasons is our vision and strategy for our operators. We see our operators as the automation tool to provision the infrastructure for your databases. And once you have this infrastructure, you have you, you're moving to the next level of database primitives, like create the user, create the database, create the collection set, whatever it is, uh, depends on the database. And it is on you as a user. And what we do is we make sure that your database runs smoothly on Kubernetes. It has all the HA capabilities that Kubernetes provides, storage is automatically moved here and there. So we're not looking into database primitives yet. But there are some requests, like for example, for MySQL, uh, we received some requests to create schemas, uh, databases, and create users on MySQL itself through the operator so that you don't need to connect to the endpoint at all. You just do everything through the operator. Oh, is, so is that kind of like if you had a standard set of users you always want there, make sure they're pre-set up, make sure the database has the objects and the setup that is the yes. basic? Yes, exactly. Okay, yeah, yeah. okay. Um, and, and I guess the other way that people could and probably do that in the past is is spin up using backups, but that would be a little different than this, that it would be more of a orchestrating the machine with the basic setup that you want. That's kind of like your corporate standard. Uh, but I do see a lot of people using that backup as the seed for cluster nodes or other things or, or even new systems, because we also see a lot of people moving from production to development. Uh, you know, so let's take this production instance, move it down. Uh, so so I could see that as, as an interesting valid option as well. Now, Correct. you mentioned MySQL. Where are we on the MySQL roadmap? What's coming up on the, the you know, on the Kubernetes side for us, on the operators? Um, what, what's what's next? Yeah, for MySQL, um, we're going to have a release in, I think, in a month or two as well for our Preconnect for db cluster operator. Uh, they, we had a huge release like a um, couple of weeks back, I think, or yeah, I think a couple of weeks back at the beginning of February, released PXC170, uh, operate PXC170. And uh, we added finally point-in-time recovery support, which is a big thing. And um, I think today or tomorrow we'll have a blog post published about the internals of point-in-time recovery, how we build it in our operator, because it was such a journey for us. <laughs> it's it would be an interesting read, I promise you. And well, another... and, and point-in-time recovery is a pretty big deal because you know as systems you know crash and and go down and you know getting to that. That single point is important. Is is this built into the automatic recovery, or when you add nodes? So, so this is all just it's just yeah, taken yeah, care it's, of. It's all automated. Yeah. In, is in it turned on by default? No, no, we are not turning on by okay. default, and the reason for that because you need to set up storage first. You need to set up S three bucket, 
keys and everything. Once you do that, you can enable it without S3 part if it doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Okay. And another big thing in the previous release was automated recovery and for PXC. Because in, 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 in Kubernetes world, everything is moving so fast and resources are ephemeral. And uh, PXC is quite sensitive. Uh, when you have some network glitch, your nodes are losing each other. And as long as PXC provides a synchronous replication, which means uh, all your commits are synchronous on every node, and when you have some network glitch, then you lose the quorum and your nodes are going into this forever infinite crash loop. So they cannot stop that. And we kind of fixed that. We have a good auto recovery tool, which was tested by lots of our users and customers. And now your BXC setup on Kubernetes is rock solid, almost cannot be killed. <laughs> Yeah, it's a, a good milestone for us. And looking into the future, we're going to polish a bit our point-in-time recovery. We're going to have support for compressed backups of point-in-time recovery um, in PXC operator. And uh, also, we are going to provide an interesting feature, uh, this support for custom sidecar containers. It would allow users to extend basic operator functionality without changing uh, the code of the PXE itself. You can add, I don't know, custom monitoring container to your to your PXE installation on Kubernetes if you mm. don't like the okay. for some reason. Yeah, it's uh, it's a good one. <laughs> very cool, very cool. And yeah. so, you know, we we mentioned also we've got Postgres coming now. Oh yes, <laughs> we do. <laughs> okay, yeah, so. Yeah, it okay. is the plan that um, we want to provide our users also the same look and feel as we have for MySQL and Mongo. We also want to provide the operator for Postgres, uh, and uh, it is coming somewhere May, June, I would say. Okay. Yeah, so that means you 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 can use the same framework basically for Mongo, MySQL, and Postgres at that time. Yes, yes. And similar correct. similar APIs, similar calls, similar functionality. Correct. Yeah, yeah. At least we okay. expect it to look like that. <laughs> we'll yeah. see no, no, I mean, it's, it's, it's really good and interesting. Now, one of the things that you had asked for and one of the reasons why we got you back on the podcast so quick was you're really looking for people who are using Kubernetes to test this out and to try it. So how can people, you know, what, what, what are you looking for them to test? What, what kind of feedback are you looking for? Well, I believe I can, I, I can think of two things right now. Um, first one, uh, as long as we were talking about the roadmap, uh, we kind of have the experimental public roadmap on GitHub published. And um, once you get a share this talk with uh, the community, we can put the link to our public roadmap as well. And what I'm looking for there is um, to first learn what people think about our roadmap and the features that we are going to deliver. And also I would learn, I would love to learn more about the use cases of some specific features. Because we have a lot of requests coming from different places for different features, but there are so many variables that uh, can change 
and the look and feel of the feature, which uh, might work for someone and might totally not work for someone else. Right? That, that is why uh, we have this public roadmap on GitHub where anyone can go there and uh, write down what he thinks this feature should look like, what kind of capabilities it should provide as a must, and maybe some additional features which are uh, not so important right now uh, at this moment. Right? This is number one. And the second one is, um, yeah, definitely we, we're now all in into well, Krikorn always <laughs> have been all in into open source, uh, but now we're doubling this investment and we're changing our model to keep open source open, which is awesome. And uh, we're looking for contributions. And I'm not only talking about contributions in the sense that, hey, go and write some code and contribute, but we're looking for the feedback. We're looking for people to running our operators and telling what's wrong with it, what we can enhance. And there are different channels how people can do that. And uh, on GitHub, we have the contributing MD file for our operators, where people can learn how they can contribute. It's going into Jira and saying, hey, you have a bug. It's going into forum and saying, hey, you can do this much better than, than this, <laughs> right? So yeah, uh, this is what I'm looking and that would help us a lot to improve our operators at all. Yeah, and we we you know we we've talked about this on the podcast before that there's multiple ways for people to contribute. It's not just code. You you mentioned use cases. You mentioned providing feedback. Just giving information is often critical to the success of any project, whether it's this one or other open source projects out there. There's multiple ways to get people involved. Uh, so that yeah. that's that's an exciting thing, especially for people who don't feel like they're hardcore developers, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. And and we just did our you know we've been running a survey where we asked about our operators, and, and it's interesting that more than uh, or actually just half half the people said they're already running their databases in production and development on Kubernetes. Uh, another quarter said they're running their development environment. So there are people out there who are using Kubernetes for their databases in production and in development. And so they have experience in what has worked, what you know hasn't, where they need some more polish, some more help. You mentioned some of the things we're already looking at polishing, but there's this other group of things that are maybe a little dark to us because we don't know how individuals are necessarily running it. Yeah, and yeah, this is correct. And right now, you know, we also know that you know a, a little over a third of those who are running you know Kubernetes in, in in their environment aren't using our operator or are using our operators. The other two thirds aren't or, or hadn't even heard of them. So so we're we're trying to get more people to like try them out because there's a lot of features and functionality within them to allow people to you know, move quickly, to not have to do all of those back-end things, whether it's you know figure out the point-in-time recovery setup or figure out how to set up sharding in Mongo, you know, all these different features. It's, it's often very critical for us to, to see that. Yeah, yeah, that, that totally makes sense. If we can get this people involved telling us where we should move, that would be super interesting. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and, and, and you know, the other kind of interesting thing is um, if you look at why people are looking at this, you know, that was one of the, the, the quick questions we asked, 
And, and the number one answer was they want to enable their developers to self-manage their databases, right? Yes, um, yes. And, and, and that's where, you know, you want as a, as a SRE or as a sysadmin or a DBA or someone managing the infrastructure and having to, to make all of this work, you want to push off as much of the administrative and the day-to-day stuff to the end user um, and enable them to add things and still conform to your corporate standards. And I think that's what you know our operators and other operators out there enable is, is that, that quick, speedy turnaround. But we can only implement what we know are those requirements. And so that, that feedback is super important. Yeah, yeah so I, I think we can now say this out loud it's uh, what, what what most people are doing this enabling developers to run the databases is they're building their own dbs right database as a service absolutely right and uh, the oh, again the i posted this blog post recently about dbs and on kubernetes under the hood right we learned a lot from our users from customers from companies that we work with uh, that they're building their own best and there are multiple reasons why they're not using clouds like they don't want to be they, they want to avoid then the lock-in or they want to cut the costs and uh, definitely everyone who's talking about the best nowadays they're thinking about kubernetes running databases and kubernetes this is like the synonym of the bus nowadays right and um, yeah, we're, as you know, in the corner, we're also moving in that direction. Uh, we have DBAS on uh, PMM as a preview. Anyone can download PMM, the corner management and monitoring, and uh, on his own environment, run it there and deploy the databases on Kubernetes with a few clicks. It's awesome, and we're going to invest a lot into that. And um, in the back end, we're leveraging our operators. So yeah, it's an interesting journey for everyone nowadays. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and that blog that you wrote was really a good blog for others who are going through that journey because you talk about the different choices and trade-offs you have to make between, you know, if you're going to use local storage, if you're going to use virtual, I mean, like you, you go kind of go through a step-by-step on some of the pitfalls and some of the things that you need to consider. And so it would be great, even if we're, we're bringing in other folks in the community who are working on similar DBAS setups, to just sit down and talk about it. Yes, yes, that, that is definitely it. And I would be honest with you, uh, I, I wrote this blog post based on the learnings that uh, I had through talking to our customers, users, or other companies. So it, it's just the, the collection of different use cases that we know are out there. And I believe there are more there that we don't know about. And <laughs> definitely we want to learn about it. So if you're running your databases in Kubernetes, please let us know. <laughs> right, absolutely. 
All right, Sergey, thank you for joining. And everyone, if you do run your databases on Kubernetes, you're thinking about it, try the operators, give us some feedback, contact Sergey. He's he's around and he wants to hear from you. You can also reach out to me at thehoss at percona.com uh, and, and we can uh, chat more about this topic and others. But Sergey, thanks for joining me this morning and I appreciate it. And we're looking forward to those new operator releases. Thank you. Thank you, Matt. And I really hope I'll be much better this time. <laughs> ah, you're perfect. Oh, it's, it's beautiful, beautiful, beautiful.